Well, good morning again. So if you've had your cup of tea, come in. We've greeted a few people come in. So again, if you just made your way in, I am Edgar. Pardon? <laughs> and if you're a dad and you've just walked in, happy Father's Day. I want us to stand and read scripture together. And he, oh, sorry, this is <laughs> Exodus 34, uh, let's read together. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children, and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Father, we ask that your spirit uh, reveals truth to us both as a community and as individuals. Lord, we ask that we um, just become aware of your presence here, your love for us. Come and do what only you can do, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. So, um, now for the past six weeks, we've been dealing, we've been talking a lot about our families of origin. I have said over and over again, and other speakers have said uh, that that um, uh, uh, the reason we've been doing this is that it, because emotional maturity and spiritual maturity go hand in hand. You cannot do without the other. You cannot do one without the other. And so until we become, we get to a place where we can deal with the emotional um, uh, stuntedness in our lives, gotten from our families of origin, we, we get to a place in our spiritual maturity where we actually also stop growing. So you've got to deal with that stuff. You look back to move forward. You look back and where the idea is to find all the things that we've inherited because we've inherited more than our looks from our parents and the generations before us to look back and find all that you've inherited in terms of generational brokenness sin and curses and relational patterns and find those that are incompatible with the way of jesus and bring them to jesus uh, for healing and um, so this is the, uh, well, now we're winding that up. And healing is something that comes, uh, just to mention a little thing about healing, it's something that comes both instantaneously uh, sometimes and, and yet gradually all the time. Um, 
wounds and hurts or sickness, whether physical, emotional, or psychological, can be healed instantaneously uh, in prayer. It happens. God still does that stuff. He loves to do that stuff. Um, and so that sometimes happens instantaneously by the power of God, or it can come gradually as we process, and sometimes we have to pray over and over again. I, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've really been leaning on to this, this promise Jesus made, you know, those who ask receive. So don't stop asking unless you're sure that the Lord has said, no, I'm not going to do this. Like when, when Paul felt, yeah, the Lord has said, this, the thorn in my flesh is going to stay. Unless you're sure the Lord has said, this is not happening. If you desire it, keep asking. And one of the best things that God gives us is his presence, yet keep asking. So sometimes it happens instantaneously. Sometimes it's, a, it's gradual as we process stuff, whether it's through counseling or uh, prayer over and over and over again. So in this season, we've been talking about dealing with our past. So do not be discouraged. If the conversations have, have surfaced wounds that you uh, uh, had probably tried so hard to forget or that surfaced wounds that you didn't even know were there, do not be discouraged. Don't, don't go, oh, I, I should be over this by now. Don't go, oh, I'm this old and why am I still dealing with this stuff? Do not be discouraged. Maybe some of you have realized that your anger is, is, is not justified. And you've got to deal with that stuff because you just notice, oh, that is how my father and his father before him were. Healing can happen instantly or sometimes, and, and in a lot of emotional stuff, it will happen gradually as we pray over and over and over again. Uh, you know, as... Uh, and uh, maybe you've, got, you've, become, you've gotten to a place of realizing your workaholism isn't something to be proud of. It could be a way you're numbing pain. And you know what? It might take a bit of time to, to completely get out of here, uh, out of there. Every year, as I've been sharing, because uh, you all are watching my life unfold from this stage sometimes, I'm learning something new about my family every year. And so my genogram is getting richer and richer. You know, last year, I, I, I shared that I just found out. So if you'd met me before last year, I, I probably told you that Oliet is my relative. All that's gone. He's not. Because my grandfather is in my biological grandfather. I'm like, okay, so anyway, I'm out, oh, sorry, <laughs> I don't know why. I, this, is, this is therapy for me too. Anyway, so every year I'm learning something new and sometimes, so you, the, the, the healing I am, I am entering into is happening every other day. And sometimes there are things in my life that I'm just thinking, I should be over this by now. Why am I here still? And so don't be discouraged, don't lose hope, and yet the truth is healing and freedom is possible and you know whether it will happen instantaneously, whether it will happen in stages and gradually, the truth is God wants to heal those wounds. Yet even when it happens instantaneously, it still comes gradually. Here, this is what I mean. Because uh, 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 when, when, you're, when you're wounded, whether it's emotional or physical, you start living your life uh, from that place of wounding. So there was a time um, I, I was having so many surgeries on my right foot, my right leg, 
and one day my dad is carrying me and subconsciously I put my other leg in front, my left leg, other leg, as if it's, it's, there's, there are only two of them, okay? So I put my, my left leg in front of my right to shield it. Just subconsciously, we start living our lives uh, very aware of the places of wounding. So even when healing happens instantaneously, there are habits you have learned uh, because of living your life in that place, and it might take a while to get over them. So for example, if a blind person receives sight instantly, and they have never learned how to read, they might, you know, they now they could see, but they will still have to learn how to read. Um, if a person has been bedridden for years and they receive healing f- uh, because prayer has a- happened over and over again, and eventually they get out of bed and recover, uh, they might still need healing from all the emotional damage that came from not being able to live like everybody else. If you're healing from an emotional wound, or a relational pattern that was unhealthy, it still takes a bit of time to unlearn the manipulative and unhealthy patterns that you had that helped you get along. So even when it's instant, it's still uh, gradual. It's, it's, uh, in the vineyard, we just call it, a, it's, it's part of the kingdom we call a slow kingdom coming. <laughs> it's when Jesus said, I am coming soon, and yes. Um, And for this reason, you will need support. This is why this journey must be done in community. There are places we walk alone and then together. Healing is not something you do alone. The journey of faith requires constant withdrawing to be alone with God and then re-engaging to be in community. Do not walk away from community because of some of the things that have, resurfaced, uh, have surfaced or resurfaced. Do not walk away from community. The two places, the two key places where most of our healing happens is in silence and solitude when we are just us and, and with God and when we're with community. Why? Because those are two places you cannot hide. If you're with community, you can only pretend for too long. And then who you are surfaces. So please be in community. When Jesus died, the disciples were hurt and disappointed. And you know, uh, scripture says that they, they would say things like, We thought he was the one. You know, they had a hard time believing that the Messiah could die like he did. And, um, and you know, they, 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 after experiencing his life like they did, they just could not reconcile what had just happened. His life with them and then his death, they just couldn't reconcile all that. And then Jesus rose, was, was uh, risen from the dead and he started showing up to people. One of them was particularly very hurt. His name was Thomas. And so one day Thomas comes back from from, uh, his errands and and the rest are excited. They're going, we've seen him. Who? Jesus. Come on guys, don't, don't, don't do this. Don't do this, it hurts. So he tells them, unless I see it with my own eyes, I won't believe. That's a hurt person. You know when you withhold because you cannot trust? I don't trust you people. I don't think I trust Jesus because how could he do this unless I see it with my own eyes? And do you know what Jesus does? He shows up just for him again. And, and so again, they're gathered as a community. 
Thomas was not alone. He was with his community when he was even expressing his lack of faith. The beauty of community is that you remain part of community even when doubt has taken over. The, the beauty of the Jesus community is that you are always loved even when you go, I, I don't get this stuff anymore. I, and, and I've shared very openly that there was a season of my life as your pastor, I was like, I don't get this stuff anymore. And I promised that I would only teach what, I, what I'm, I feel safe with. That happens to all of us. And in the Jesus community, you're, you're welcome. And so Jesus shows up for Thomas, and, and, and then Jesus tells him, okay, use your fingers to feel my hands and my side. And Thomas feels Jesus' hands and sides, the wounds and the scars, and he falls on his knees and says, my Lord and my God. Here's, here's what has happened. That is the most powerful, at that point, the most powerful reference to Jesus yet right here's what's happening Thomas needed healing he needed first to believe that this is the Jesus who died and then he is here with us again so he needed to feel this is the same Jesus I felt his wounds I felt his car his scars it's the same Jesus who died and he's with us again Thomas needed his community to heal let me tell you, your healing is not enough unless you're in community. But also, something interesting about our healing, it required Thomas to see the scars of Jesus to heal. You need your community. You need to see other people's scars. Part of our healing is walking with people who would say, you know what, I was a very angry person. I am not. And then what it, it makes us go, oh, my Lord and my God, you can set me free too. We need to be around people who go, you know what, I, I battled pornography for years and now I don't. What that tells us is that, oh, my Lord and my God, you can set me free. You need your community so that you can see the scars that Jesus has healed. You also need to be in community to show your own scars to help in the healing of others. Where you say, you know what, I, I was a terrible perfectionist who couldn't give room for others. I'm not that anymore. And someone else is saying, my Lord and my God, you can heal. We need community so that together, like Jesus, we can tell others, take your fingers and, and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. Freedom and healing is possible. One day, Jesus is walking through a crowd and, and there's a... Uh, uh, they, they, you know, it's so squeezed, he's busy going somewhere important, obviously, and then he turns around and says, who touched me? And the disciples, you know, when, when you're not the boss, everything you say, even when you think your boss is being mad, you say, respectfully. So I feel like the disciples said, Jesus, respectfully, everyone is touching you. But Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Everyone is touching me, but someone has touched me because power has left me. And he insists, who touched me? And then this woman turns up and says, I did. Jesus wasn't doing that to shame him, you know, because, hey, Jesus, this is a private matter. This woman has been healed. Let her go on her merry way. Why does everyone need to know this story thousands of years later? 
You know, this woman had been bleeding for 12 years. She had been cut out of community. Your healing, especially to the extent that it has taken you from community and to the extent that it has hurt community, needs to happen within community. Jesus was restoring her fully. It's not just about physical healing. It's also about being healed within and together with your community. So don't run away from community. In fact, I encourage you to do the work of healing within a community. See their wounds and their scars. Show them yours. Grieve together. Be patient with each other. Call each other out to be better to, and then celebrate the progress with each other. Today, as I wrap this series up, we are going back to where we started. Blessing. You know, we've spent a couple of weeks talking about brokenness and sin and curses, but we started with generational blessing that joy took us through, and we're going to finish with blessing again. In fact, the title of my talk is so creative. It is blessing again, right? The story of scripture starts with blessing. There's brokenness and curse and sin in the middle. It ends with blessing. That's hope for us. So the scripture we've been reading is, is, is actually the most quoted scripture by scripture itself. Because every time the writers of scripture wanted to describe the character of God, this is all they could do. They would say the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love, faithful to thousands upon thousands. So, just let's look at, and, and, and I've, I've been reminding us that names in this culture were more than a tag you go by. It was more than a label. It's almost like the olden days where if you were a smith, then all your children would become smiths, and then your last name ref, uh, made uh, re reference to what you did. You're a smith. That didn't happen in, Kenyan, uh, in African cultures. But, you know, some cultures did that. Oh, this is, this is Mr. Smith. What does Mr. Smith do? He is a smith. If you do that in Kenya, this is Mr. Award. What does he do? He wore rose, you know. So. <laughs> that actually does make sense in my culture. It's like someone is always surprised. My parents were surprised when I was born. <laughs> well, we've covered that already. So, <laughs> anyway, so the, 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 uh, God show, uh, shows up in front of Moses and declares his name, but he gives his character because that's what names did. They described a person. So he said, Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate one. Uh, the, the word compassion, Rachem, the, 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 the word relates to the womb. The word relates to the womb. The writers of scripture were trying to tell us that, that one's characters is just this deep, emotional, intense feeling that can only be likened to what a mother would feel for her child. It's deep and intense, uh, emotional and tender. If you ever wonder, does God feel something for you? Yes, he does. And it's deep and emotional and tender towards you. He's compassionate. But compassion doesn't stop at feelings. Compassion always moves uh, uh, God to action. Think about mothers. When they, when they hear their children cry, they run towards it. 
right? And they would throw themselves in front of danger to, uh, 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 to shield their children. Fathers, on the other hand, of course, happy Father's Day. Oh, I should be very careful. No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't want to get off track. This, there's a beauty about how fathers are built to relate with children that kind of tells them, I think you can do this. Try again. Try again. Oh, but I fell. Okay, get up and do it again. Uh, and that's, that's something fathers bring. I don't know why I got sidetracked. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so uh, compassion always leads God to action. Compassion always leads God to action. Then uh, the second word, gracious, hanun. Uh, this, this has to do with favor and delight. Think about giving someone a very extravagant gift that they would only say, I think you favor them. Okay, if, so if, if God plays favoritism, yes, he does. And it's to you and you and me and all of us. God deeply favors you that he gives good gifts to you extravagantly. That's what, that's what gracious means. And often it is way more than you deserve. Because God giving us gifts has nothing to do with how good you are. God giving us gifts is not weighed against what you did last night or what you did last week or where you're going today after here. God giving us gifts is totally leveraged in who he is. It, is, it, is, it, it always far outweighs what you deserve. It has nothing to do with you. That's the character of God. The other character of God is slow to anger. And um, <laughs> the, the, the phrase in Hebrew used there is long of nose. If you've ever been mad, you feel a bit of heat in your face. Now, for, for, for people, my complexion, my families, that will not show, but we can feel it, especially in my ears. But for people lighter than me, you can see them turn a bit uh, red, right? So this is the idea here, right? When, when they're embarrassed or angry. Uh, that God, his nose is too long. It takes a bit of time for his nose to grow red. Right? I know, that's funny. So it's, and again, we're not saying, oh, God must have quite a cute nose. No, it has nothing to do with noses. It's a, it's, it's a metaphor, right? We, we, the, the writers of scripture are saying God is very, very patient. If you've ever met a patient person, God is more patient than that. What this says is that it hurts God, it angers God every time uh, there is injustice in the world. Every time people are suffering because of the wickedness of men and women and every time people are suffering because of the wickedness of the enemy, it angers God. Every time we exploit the world, this beautiful world, in a way that destroys it, it angers God. The, the thing, however, the writers of scripture want to tell us is that God is so patient, he gives us multiple chances to turn around. That's the character of God. And I, in particular, I am very happy that that's the character of God. It takes me a bit of time. Abounding in life, chesed, chesed, 
And this, this, this is not just about mushy feelings of like, oh, I love you. No, it's, it, it actually combines, the, the idea combines all the three things you've said above into one. It's not just emotions. It's in fact a strong expression of, 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 of um, uh, actively keeping promises because of deep affection and care for you. That he's abounding in love, which means he's actively. It's not just have. Oh, you know, I said it at the foundations of the of the earth, so it's going to happen. No, he's actively involved in keeping his promises because of his affection for humanity. And then, the faithful one, faithfulness from generation to generation. The word is emet. And emet is, is, uh, is, uh, tra- can also be translated to, to, uh, to truth. In fact, uh, uh, we, we actually use a word that is closer to that. We say amen. It also comes from the same word. What that means, we're saying this is true. When we say amen, we're saying that's truth. It's undisputable. That's truth. And so it, it, has, it has to do with ideas that are correct. I, you know, how many times have I said from here that, hey, the biggest battle is between truth and lies. The, the enemy's biggest weapon against God's children are lies. And so God is truth. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying, hey, I am Yahweh. I am the faithful one. And, you know, it has to do with, with, with being reliable and stable, that God's character is not wobbly. He's not faithful today and then not tomorrow. He's not uh, uh, long-suffering today and then not tomorrow. He's not patient with you today and then he goes, well, now you've really crossed the line. No. He is stable and, 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 and reliable. Even his justice, God's justice, is an expression of God's love. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And not just to you. Not just to you because you've come to Trinity. Not just to you because you... Not just to you, but to you and, and generations before you and many generations that will come after you. The Lord is faithful. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. And he saw that it was good. It delighted him. And so God made human beings for no other reason but, his, but, uh, but only his character. God picks humanity and makes them bear his image and blesses them. He didn't do that because, oh, you know, these guys will have very big brains. These guys will know science. For no other reason but God's character himself, God picks, uh, sees and picks humanity and, and makes them bear his image and likeness and he blesses them. This is the first place that we encounter blessing. Nothing is blessed apart from God. Now, blessing, as I said before, is the ability of, hum- of, of anything to give life. And Joy added a good word several weeks ago, favor. So God is saying, humanity has my favor. But he also says, not but, and he also says, I have bl- uh, to, uh, we are blessed to become a blessing. So humanity has God's favor to bring God's favor. That's the whole idea. Now, 
When we read that we are made in the image and likeness of God, let me just draw that out for us a little bit. Or as my friend Meredith would say, oat. Let me just draw that out for us a little bit. This is very ancient uh, 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 language for royalty. You know, in, in, in the olden days, kings ruled by might. Kings ruled by right. They believed that they are the images of God himself on earth. So you never questioned royalty. Actually, when they would conquer other nations, they would put up their statues in those places. What are they saying? Behold the image of the one who rules. So even if there would be in place other kings, they would only be ruling out of permi with permission from the main king or queen. You go to England and there's so many statues of, 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 of kings and, and queens that ruled in the past. What were these royalty doing? They could only be in one place at a time. So they would plant their images all over to say, behold, I am in charge. And every new, every new monarch would make sure they put up their own. Next monarch, make sure they put up their own. Charles has now put the, the, his face on, well, it's just legal. He, he, it's not like it's not like he was being anyway. Uh, modern 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 examples. Uh, we have a lake in East Africa that is called Lake Victoria. Okay. Okay. Very personal reasons. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> so where was I? It was the same thing. They were, they, were, they were planting their image and reign in Kenya, well, in East Africa. They're saying, oh, by the way, just so you know who's reigning in East Africa, there's a, we've planted their name. There's a state, I think there's two, in the U.S. called Virginia. It was named in honor of, uh, of uh, again, the same monarch who was believed to have been a virgin until she died. Crazy. Sorry, let's focus, people. So, so when Genesis says we are made in the image and likeness of God, what, what, what Genesis is saying that we rule on behalf of the king. You are royalty. You are royalty. I am royalty. That's what he's saying, that we have God's authority. And some of you will be in business. Some of you will be scientists. Some of you will be politicians. Others will be pastors. All of us have God's authority and we are called to bring God's rule and reign where we are. So, so God's kingdom is not just being spread by those who lead worship on Sunday morning. God's kingdom is being spread by everyone in every sector by accepting the authority we have because we bear the image and likeness of God. So it wasn't about noses and ears. It was about royalty and authority. But the authority was not about being bossy. The authority was not about carelessly exploiting the world. The authority was an invitation to rule with God, to bring all of creation under the life-giving, faithful, gracious, loving, compassionate rule of the kingdom of God. After all, we bear the image of the one true king. So we must rule like him. Then of course human beings believe a lie. And they join a rebellion led by the devil and his minions against God. 
What that introduces is a curse. A curse is an anti-blessing. What I mean by that, while a blessing is full of grace, compassion, love, faithfulness, a curse brings death and takes away life. When a blessing causes things to flourish, a curse diminishes things. And the curse begins to spread. And this is generally, so there is there's the curse, but generally this is what we were covering when we talked about generational brokenness, generational sin, and generational curses. This is all where it start, started, when, when humanity partnered with a lie. Yet, even at the moment of rebellion, God makes a promise. It wasn't an afterthought. It's like, oh my goodness, now I've got to do something. At the moment of rebellion, God promises to bring redemption. Why? Because of the character of God we've been talking about the last six weeks. Because he is gracious, loving, compassionate, and, 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 and forgiving sins and, and brokenness. And he is faithful to thousands upon thousands of generations. Because that's who he is, he is promising to bring redemption. And so, God sees and calls out and, 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 and causes to stand out a family uh, from a man called Abraham, whose story we've read a lot this week. He sets them apart and he calls them blessed. And now, not only are they blessed, but so are we, you know? So the whole, they are blessed so that the whole world can be blessed through them. And the blessing then runs through Abraham and his sons Isaac and, and his grandchild Jacob and then the nation of Israel. This is stuff we were talking about. And, and, then, and then remember that line, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. And, and again, just so that we're not mistaken, this is not to say that God is some weird father who punishes children for their father's sins. It's, it's more, if you look at the, at the wisdom of scripture, the life of Jesus, it's more to say that in sin and brokenness itself are consequences that often go beyond just yourself. Sin, even private sin, doesn't impact just you. Anyway, so... God keeps his promise because he is faithful and he sends them deliverer after deliverer, a prophet after prophet, king after king, and they still rebel after rebellion. They remain unfaithful because that's what human beings are. That's what you and I are. But God remains faithful and there's always a remnant. And what is all this leading up to? The whole story is leading up to Jesus. God with us. God come to us. So, what then does Jesus do? Let's take a look at the life and ministry of Jesus and kind of find out what he is doing from the beginning. And just, you know, a spoiler alert, Jesus is restoring blessing. The, 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 the fall happened, curse entered the world, sin entered the world, uh, uh, all those broken relational patterns entered the world. What Jesus does in his life and ministry is restore the original blessing. So he heals the sick and raises the dead. If you know, more and more I, I meet way older people than me, like way older. They, they, they now just openly say, my body is now dying. You know, my, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, so, they, you know, because things stop, uh, stop working the same way. I'm not very old, but my left knee does not like the cold. It's just like, uh, you're not 22, you know? Um, so, 
I don't know if you know this, but sickness is a foretaste of death. Sickness is a foretaste of death. So every time Jesus was healing the sick or raising the dead, uh, uh, he, was, he was undoing what the curse did. Because while blessing brings life, curses bring death. And Jesus was reversing that because everywhere the kingdom advanced, it brought blessing, reversing the, the curse, and restoring original blessing. So he brought life. Jesus cast out demons. I don't know, you know... When humanity partnered with the enemy, we sold our authority to demons. And so sometimes they actually even take, uh, uh, take root casting out demons. He is reclaiming the authority that was given to humanity. Jesus teaches truth. I've often said that this is one of the reasons Jesus comes to us as a teacher. Because truth dispels lies and truth shall set you free. Jesus is removing curse and restoring the original blessing. Jesus comes to storms and walks on water. He has power over nature. This is the authority that human beings were given to rule and reign over creation. See, everything Jesus was doing wasn't just random. He was reclaiming the authority that was lost. He was taking away the curse that was allowed in. And then on the, at the climax of it all, he dies and is risen from the dead. And those two are, are two sides of the same coin. A resurrection was not a reversing of, of, of the death on the cross and resurrection on the cross. Jesus uh, uh, dealt a, a, a fatal blow to sin and death all at once. He completely breaks phones away long enough to see your spouses, your children, your siblings, your colleagues, and even strangers. Oh, by the way, that's part of why we have a community break. I'm asking us to see people. See people. You might be the only one who's greeted them today. Then we speak truth, blessing the same way. We see people, then we call them apart. So you set them apart and go, hey, I want you to know this. We, and so actually say something. At the very least, just say, oh, bless you. Not just when they sneeze, right? But actually say something. I'm giving up. Nope. So actually say something. What, what I mean by this is we call out God's greatness in them prophetically. That's what we mean by blessing people. We call out God's greatness in them prophetically. It may not even be visible at present. But you bless them. I'm grateful for countless of, of people in my life who called me a leader before I even cared for leadership. They were calling out something. They were partnering with God. And also then we affirm what is already there. We affirm what, what God in them. What, what can you already see? Their beauty, their generosity, their grace, their patience. Say that you are a patient person and that means a lot to me. That's how we bless. You've been blessed to be a blessing. 
And so, you know, we, we, we wreck every family. All families come from God and God is good. So every family has something of God and we pass it down. And some of that has shown up in the way your family handles business. Some of that has shown up in the way your family handles relationship. We all, yet we recognize that some families have, are, are, are so broken that the hurt that has been spread sometimes make people unaware of blessing. Guess what? We are now in the family of God and God is reparenting us and so we need to learn and practice giving blessing to each other.
Now, if you're a, a younger person and you're in this room, if you're looking in the crowd and you're seeing an older person that you respect, just go to them and, and say, just bless me, okay? I promise it will not be awkward. I mean, it's already too awkward, so we might as well get on with it. Okay, let's put it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> so just say their name and then let's start reading together. I, I, may God bless you and keep you. May God's light shine upon you. And may God be gracious to you. May you feel God's presence within you always. And may you find peace. May you grow into all the good works God has had for you long before you were born. May you become greater and go far beyond me. You are wise. You are kind. You are generous. Amen. Amen. Okay. Yes. So spouses, if you did not upset your spouse and therefore they decide not to come to church, no, I'm just kidding. Well, we know it happens. Anyway, so spouses, why don't you face each other? And the one person will start and then will follow, will, the other will follow. Kids, please surround your parents. Yeah? If your child does not yet know what I'm saying, just let, guide their hands towards you. Let's teach our kids to see and bless. And so, uh, uh, is it up there? Yes. So call out their name and then we'll start reading together. Aya. May God bless you and keep you. May God's light shine upon you and may God be gracious to you. May you feel God's presence within you always and may you find peace. You are a gift to me and to our family and your value is irreplaceable. Amen. Let's do the switch. Oh yeah, they've got to bless you too. So the other spouse, if you're not very upset with them, please bless them. Okay, please say out their name. And let's read. May God bless you and keep you. May God... Amen. Your value is irreplaceable. The things you put your... Amen. So let's remain standing. I just want to bless and release us. The band can come on stage. So after I say this blessing, you're free to leave, leave but we're going to remain in worship if you just want to stay there. And we're going to sing a song of blessing over you. Uh, so it's totally up to you. Our prayer teams, could you come up front? Uh, if you're on the prayer team, come up front. If you need prayer for anything, if you never got the chance to come uh, on Wednesday, we were here uh, to receive people who just had, you know, 
stuff that's come up and they needed healing for. If, if stuff has been bubbling through this series and you need prayer for them, we'd love to pray with you. So Lord, go before us. Lord, may we see your kindness even in the areas we're expecting. Lord, may we see your kindness even in the areas we've given up on. I pray, Lord, that you will cause to spring out of us things that resemble who you've always made us to be. I bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Prayer.